Good morning and welcome to Palm Vista's Bible 45, A Light to the Nations. This is the last in our series on missions. So I want to take a minute and just go over a little bit of the things that we've covered in the course so far. Al introduced us to the biblical concept of missions being originated by God himself with Christ's work as the message that we're called to take to the entire world as the Holy Spirit guides and empowers us. We address the danger of presenting Christ as meeting temporal needs while diminishing the message of man's hopeless condition before God. We're called to care for the body of Christ and those that we're reaching out to physically, but we cannot in any way diminish the, or confuse the primary message of Christ crucified. We spoke of incarnational ministry where missionaries follow Christ's example of taking on flesh or becoming like those in the culture they're ministering to and living with those that they share the gospel with. We looked at missions history and saw God moving the gospel forward through international missions, but even more rapidly through Christians fleeing persecution or being conquered by people like the Romans the barbarians, and the Vikings, who themselves converted to Christianity. We looked at some of the modern methods of missions, adapting to cultures with the goal of planting churches that are self-supporting, self-governing, self-propagating, or reproducing. Planting churches that can in turn plant churches that can plant churches. This is only achieved if missions agencies or sending churches move through a series of stages where they begin as the pioneer ministries, essentially planting churches where there are none, move towards being paternal or helping train up these new churches, transitioning to partnership where they're working alongside them and ultimately becoming participants in the spread of the gospel in the national culture, having those that are native to that culture taking the lead in spreading the gospel. So today we're going to answer the simple question of, so what? What does this mean for us living here now in South Florida as a church? We're familiar with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus told the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. If we're called to make disciples, what's the difference between that and being called as a missionary? Are we all missionaries? Well, let's start our investigation by looking at my own call to the missions field. That's me a long time ago. That's during my first missions trip, summer missions trip to Mexico. Uh, We as a family, along with Cassie and and Dasney, got to revisit there a few years ago, which was just fantastic. And not necessarily that kid, but one of the kids invited us to come back. He found me on Facebook. But that's really where it where it all started. my history as a missionary had its foundations in a family that loved traveling. I 
literally grew up sleeping in a closet. I was a closeted case uh, because they would get the cheapest hotel and my sister was, when she was little, was in a drawer as a baby. They'd pull out a hotel drawer and I would get the closet. Um, but they took us everywhere. They'd get the cheapest rental car and wouldn't stay in the roads that you were supposed to stay on. We'd be back in the, the mountains and valleys and beating the tar out of it just to see what was there. So I grew up comfortable in areas that a lot of people are uncomfortable. I was comfortable with cross-cultural situations, uh, with languages I didn't know, areas that were impoverished, that were not necessarily what I grew up with. On this first trip, one of the guys down here, I won't point out who it is specifically, uh, he became known for his reaction to the places we were at. We were in the Yucatan, and the tag line that he was known for afterwards was, oh my God, it's so dirty and hot here, I want to go home. He didn't have a missions calling. We kind of discerned that early on. Uh, after college, I took some time with a friend of mine, actually a little over a year, to go around the world and visit 23 different countries and over 15 missions organizations, working with each of them. We both knew that we had a call to missions. We just didn't necessarily know where. And so we wanted to get out there and explore and have missionaries that were on the field teach us what they were doing. And actually, Corey and I nearly crossed paths a number of times, working in Moscow and even eating in the same restaurant in Nairobi, Kenya. So I'm looking forward to see the highlight reel when we get to heaven and, and see how close we came. On that trip, while going through Eastern Europe, God captured my heart for Cuba. But he took me to Chile instead. And part of that was an equipping purpose. First and foremost, giving me a wife that can continue helping me in understand Latin culture. Uh, Chilean, there's debate whether it fits in with the rest of Latin culture, but uh, it has certainly been helpful. Um, as was the language, and our first two trips to Cuba were directly from Chile. After that, had an opportunity of managing LAM, LAM's partnerships for about four years and now get to provide care to missionaries throughout the Caribbean and Central America, as well as assisting in providing training and identifying anti-human or identifying human trafficking issues and teaching ministries how to respond to them. Part of my past work with Latin America Mission was in discerning who should and who should not be on the missions field. Uh, as we mentioned, that one individual that was on my first mission trip, it was pretty easy but that doesn't mean that he's not called to making disciples. A no is simply, a no to being a missionary is simply God saying that we're called to making disciples in a different way, usually in our own cultural context. My calling as a missionary was part of the good works that God had established for me and prepared for me, as he does with each of us in a very specific way, even before we existed. According to Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So why missions? Why did I feel I was called to missions? Unlike Paul, who God knocked off his ass, donkey, on the way to Damascus. I'm glad Tim liked that. Timothy, I I knew you would like that. My wife is cringing, but thank you, Tim. Timothy grew up in the faith, similar to the way I did, uh, as we see in Paul's letter in 2 Timothy. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I grew up in the church and was introduced to missions and fell in love with taking the gospel to other cultures before I had the understanding or theology of knowing what I was doing. It was something that captured my heart as early as high school. Later on, I was able to understand more through experiences, through the short-term and long-term missions assignments that I got, through testimonies of visiting missionaries, and in particular on my second summer trip through Jim Elliott's story through Gates of Splendor. Uh, I highly recommend this. It's in your notes. This is really one of the little books that God used to capture my heart for missions, just in understanding the commitment of Jim and his wife and other men that lost their lives in areas of the world that I got to be in on my second missions trip. The theology came through some self-study in college uh, as well as our time in seminary, and it continues to grow today. Just doing this course has been an amazing blessing Uh, and God's perfect timing in some of the stuff that we get to do this summer, as I've mentioned earlier. I wasn't always encouraged along the way, though. My dad, wonderful Christian, somebody that I continue to look up to, one of his statements as he saw me going in missions direction was, be careful not to be too heavenly-minded so as to not be of any earthly good. And that was hard. uh, But I really knew that God was calling me in this direction. And in the end, he expressed appreciation for what we as a family were able to do. Um, Looking forward to hearing the rest of his thoughts when we get to see him again. So we're familiar with Jesus' final words uh, in the Great Commission. But the word commission, I want to understand a little bit more. It's, It's defined as an act of entrusting a person or group with supervisory power or authority, an authoritative order change or direction authority granted for a particular action or function so we understand in the great commission that action or function is to make disciples of all nations to help people understand everything that we've been commanded to do by christ 
Making disciples is the work of the church. That's what we are called to as a body, as a church. And that means imaging God and proclaiming the gospel in everyday life within our own culture, with where God has placed us. As we've mentioned, he's created, he's prepared since time began, since before we exist, good works for us to walk in. That means nobody in this room or nobody who calls himself part of the church can say, no, I'm not called to that. That is an assignment for all of us. Missionary work is a bit more specific. An aspect of making disciples by crossing borders, cultures, languages, and people groups. In each case, whether disciple makers or specifically as missionaries, we take part in the works that God prepared for us and prepared each of us specifically for. That's encouraging to me to think that, okay, he's prepared these works for us, but that can be intimidating. How am I to do works that God himself has prepared? But he's prepared us for those works as well by giving us his Holy Spirit and by working in us. As I mentioned, my experiences, what God allowed me to do over the years, prepared me for the calling to missions. I remember sitting my first year in Chile uh, on a bed. Yeah, it was a bed. Uh, in a house, a room that was used for as an emergency shelter in Chile. When it was windy outside, the curtains blew inside, that sort of thing. I was sitting on that bed, my down sleeping bag wrapped around me, journaling a little bit, and I noticed that I could see my breath. Usually when our breath comes out, you know, it <coughs> dissipates right around here. My breath went all the way to the ceiling. It was that cold. And I just started laughing. <laughs> You know, it was either laugh or cry at that point. But I started laughing and thinking, Lord, this is where you have me right now. And it's good. I just had a sense of this is where I'm supposed to be. That was even before I really started getting to know Claudia as more than just an acquaintance. Um, it was because I was doing something that I've, God had really prepared me for. There's a sense of accomplishment in knowing that we're in exactly what God has prepared us for. And everybody has that. It's not just missionaries. So, what we're called to do, just as Christians, is to proclaim the gospel in our everyday life. In each case, whether a disciple maker or specifically as a missionary, it's those works that we get to walk in. So, what is... I'm sorry, I lost myself here. Ha. Wanted to jump into an understanding of what it means to have a calling by looking at two words, vocation and occupation. The word vocation came to existence in the 15th century. It's derived from the Latin word vocationum. I'll let Al or Corey deal with the pronunciation later. Vocationum meaning a spiritual calling, actually. It was initially adapted as a word that suggested a call made by God to a certain occupation for which a person is best suited, trained, or qualified. So what about occupation? That's defined as a person's usual or principal work or business, especially as a means of earning a living. 
The word occupation has been derived from the Latin word meaning to fill or to take up. So the concept of filling a role or taking up space. And I think we've all met people who simply take up space but don't accomplish much. So we can have a vocation. We all have a vocation, a calling by God. But our occupation is something that we need to consider how does it best serve our vocation. So I want to ask, what's your vocation and what's your occupation? As Christians, we have the same vocation, but we'll not all have the same occupation. We all have a God-given calling to make disciples of all nations. Each is equipped to carry out their vocation through the giftings that God gave you throughout your occupation, whether that's being a cashier here in Hialeah, it's being a teacher, homeschooling mom, being an executive at one of the major enterprises we have here. We're all one body but many members, according to what Paul tells us in Romans 12. We're all called to Christ, but we all have different abilities. You may have heard of bivocational pastors. I prefer bi-occupational pastors, since the vocation of making disciples remains the same, even if one must have two, quote, jobs in order to fulfill it. The pastor that Claudia became a Christian under and was my authority in Chile named Pastor Juan Godoy, uh, he worked close to 50 hours a week in the largest copper mine in the world. He would travel by bus up into the mountains, <coughs> into the Cordillera, and descend on the elevators and work in these mines throughout the day, every day. Then he'd come back after doing that, often go straight to church, maybe have a quick meal there, and pastor, pastor the church. Um, that's the reality of a lot of the world. That's what a lot of the world has to do. But they have an occupation in order to support the vocation, their calling. We see that Paul began as a bi-occupational missionary, a tent maker. He was somebody that was capable of making tents, something that he had probably learned from his father, his grandfather, and that was big business back then because tents were very common. In Acts 18, it talks about Paul meeting with other tent makers who had the same profession and using that to support himself as he started on his uh, journeys. We see later on that there's no more reference to tent making, but that he started receiving gifts and was supported by churches and eventually became what we would call a full-time missionary to dedicate 100% of his time to the gospel. So getting back to what is our purpose? What is your purpose? Vocation speaks to our purpose, why we exist, why we're here. What are our lives, talents, and finances dedicated towards? Why has God given us these things? So considering your occupation, whether current or anticipated, um, how does that serve your calling to make disciples? Understanding that each one of us has that vocation right now, and that will never change. That is lifelong. So, 
how have I been, how have we been equipped for that? In the terms of missionaries, they've been equipped with the ability to take the gospel across cultures, across borders, across things that they naturally grew up with. That's part of the equipping. On Friday, uh, the boys, Claudia and I, were at Outdoor World uh, down in Miami. And I was conversing with a clerk there. His name was Nathan. I'm one of the observant types. I can read that on his name tag. So, you know, just started talking to Nathan a little bit, getting to know him. And somehow we got on the topic of traveling internationally. And I asked if he'd ever been anywhere. And he said, yeah, I, was, uh, I lived on the border between Peru and the Amazon for a couple of years. I'm thinking, okay, that's interesting. Either you're CIA or a Christian, probably. And so I asked him why he was there. And he said, well, I was on a mission. Okay, still CIA or Christian. Uh, so well, what sort of mission? He said, well, uh, I'm, I'm a missionary. And so I said, well, so are we as a family. And it was fascinating because his wife just happened to be visiting him at work there. And so Claudia got to talk with her for quite a while. I got to talk with him. And he had originally been sent out by the International Missions Board as a Baptist missionary to that region to work in a small village. The guy literally broke his back while working there in carrying a palm tree to make a floor for the hut that he lived in. Um, This couple... Nathan and Tracy have been married six months, I think now, four months, just newlyweds, and they're getting prepared to go back out. But hearing their passion, hearing his experience, they're equipped for extreme cross-cultural missions. It was such an encouragement just to get to know them and talk to them, and Claudia got to pray for her, and we're going to stay in touch with them. But uh, working right here, outdoor world for the time being, as they're getting prepared to go. Um, others who are not missionaries as we mentioned have the same vocation should have that same passion for the gospel it just may not be cross-culturally however here in Florida almost everything's cross-cultural in many ways Um, we're called to make sure that the gospel goes out whatever our giftings are So I want to ask us, what does that mean for us as members of Palm Vista, as members of this local body living here in South Florida? Uh, We've got all sorts of possibilities to share the gospel that we don't necessarily need to be equipped as a missionary to cross borders. But in many ways, I think we're equipped to be local residential representations of the gospel to international groups. Um, We've got opportunities right here within the church for those that are unreached. Heartbeat is a fantastic way to reach groups that are not reached. Those women who find themselves pregnant and don't know what to do. That is a people group. It's not cross-cultural missions, but it's one that we're called to as a church, as living out our call to make disciples. Um, With us, United World Mission, we've got Glory House that we've been doing some assistance with. Uh, We've got street outreaches that we've done as a church. That's meeting businesses and carrying the gospel to them. 
And simply being bold when people ask you what you do. Well, if you've got an occupation, you can share that. Or you can share about your vocation also. Actually, I make disciples. How's that for a conversation starter? I mean, they'll either run away or say, what does that mean? But that's the reality. We're all called to make disciples. How do you do that? Well, I do that as a homeschooling mom. I do that as a businessman. So being bold in what our vocation is. And connecting with international students. Uh, Claudia yesterday with a couple other people went to a training for inviting international students to our home for Easter. And she got some fascinating statistics. One third of all world leaders, we're talking global now, get their education in the United States. That means one third of those who are leading countries, those who are leading movements, you know, even in the case of Fidel, those who are leaving, leading revolutions, get their education here in this country. 18% of our undergraduates are international students. They're coming from other cultures. That's throughout this country, 18%, almost one-fifth of students studying here in the U.S. come from other countries. 80% of those are never invited into an American home, never set foot in an American home, much less a Christian home. Now, that's an opportunity that we as a church don't have to be equipped for crossing cultures. There's some basic equipping in being able to simply share the gospel, Uh, but those are part of the giftings that we can acquire, that God gives us the opportunity to. So considering international student invitations is a very simple way without having to have the ability to live in a hut on the border of Peru and the Amazon or go to other countries where you don't understand the culture or language, where in one of your first teachings you end up saying, what would happen if a soldier hung his snot on the battlefield? When you were trying to say, what would happen if a soldier tried to relax and hang his hammock? Hammock is amaka, snot is moko. I confuse those two. Or when you're telling the youth group that, you know, we're all witnesses of Christ, testigos, and you end up telling them we're all Christ's testicles. Those were ones that I learned along the way. So, but I want to give us a plan, really, to carry out each of our vocation, whether it's as a missionary, which we've been focusing on in this study, and really should all be inspired by and interceding for. Uh, Claudia, the boys, and I, we, we would love to have your intercession as we step out this summer. In many ways, it's going to be first experiences for them. They've traveled a lot. They've seen a little bit of what we do. But this year, they get to engage in that. They're going to be working with other missionary kids, MKs. They're going to be joining us on many of the presentations and visiting many of the partner ministries and encouraging missionaries. Would love for your prayers on that. So as we carry out our vocations, let's be interceding for those who are called cross-culturally, but also being aware of how our occupation or anticipated occupation 
helps us carry out the making disciples. You know, as students here, as you're preparing for that, what would be an occupation that I'm equipped for that enables me to do that? Doesn't mean it's easy, but we're equipped for that. So as we go about doing that, be prayerfully considering, Lord, what have you equipped me with in order to make disciples, to carry out the one primary goal you've given all of us? How can I do that? How can I be assisting those who are crawled cross-culturally? How can I take part in what you're doing globally, but be interacting right here in my own yard? And as we open with, I want to close with really Paul's words to each of us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's for every one of us. This has been an exciting class for me. Uh, The concepts that Al taught ahead of time were really helpful. Some of them were new for me. Some of them were reminders. Um, And as I shared, we get to step out in a new phase for us as a family, as well as what I am prayerfully believing for the mission in general, in making sure the mission follows through the stages that we've discussed of not remaining in partnership, which has really been where Latin America mission has been for a long time, but coming under, literally under the local church and letting them set the guidelines, the rules, helping those local churches throughout Latin America work together to better promote the gospel but in no way coming in as the North Americans that culturally and theologically know what we're doing. We're all following Christ together, and that needs to be the vision for the local church. As Al mentioned earlier, how many of those in Latin America are going to be able to have doctorates in theology, are going to be able to dedicate years of study? Many of the pastors are pastors because they were identified as having a calling is having a passion. And so, they're placed in the pulpit. That's part of the assistance that we can bring in bringing some theological training to them in a way that doesn't force them to relocate for a couple years to a seminary, but just helping provide them. So, we're excited about this time. And I hope that as you reflect on some of the things we discussed, you'll be excited about missions. We've got short-term teams that are going out this summer. We've got them going out again to work alongside the Ellswicks, those who were members here for many years. That's exciting. You know, that's unifying people under the banner of Christ to be able to carry out the gospel. Um, We've got opportunities here. But what I want to do with the last few minutes here is just give the chance for any questions, whether for myself or for Al over there um, on what we've done, what we've covered during this course.